Let's look at housing. It's difficult enough, of course, to find rental housing for people. Now imagine if you had pets. Well, we recently learned about a man in Surrey who's been living out of a U-Haul cargo van with his dog as he tries, desperately tries, really, to find affordable pet-friendly housing. The man's name is Joe Basraba, and he says, of course, when he sleeps in that cargo van, nights are cold, but he doesn't really have a choice right now, and he lives in the van with his 11-year-old dog, uh, Wookley. Joining me now to talk a little bit about rentals and um, pet friend, pet friendly rentals is Victoria Schroff. She's an animal law lawyer. Victoria, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, John. Uh, let's talk first and foremost uh, about this incident, uh, incident which is uh, really once again highlights the broader conversation we've been having. Uh, does this surprise you at all? Um, well, it, it's it's heartbreaking, but it's not surprising. But you know. My take on this, uh, just a, a quick overview, is just as access to justice is supposed to be for everybody, we need to think about how pets serve a need for people in society. And these are often vulnerable or marginalized people like Mr. Basaraba, those living in abject poverty. Um, and he has another overlapping uh, sphere. He has an illness. He has MS, according to the news story I saw. Mm-hmm. So, so we really need to recognize these spheres of overlap of people living in poverty and the immense comfort and relief they are provided through their connections with animals mm-hmm. and how that plays out in um, precarious housing or homelessness. Now, right now in British Columbia, a landlord can decide if they want to have a renter that has a pet. They can decide whether or not that particular suite will allow pets. That's correct. Yes, yes. Landlords and stratters have the ability to make that decision on their own, whether or not they will permit pets. They can also restrict the size, the kind, and the number of pets. Um, and then that gets worked out with the, um, with the individual tenant. Um, you know, it, so it's a, it's a case-by-case basis, but the landlord is in the driver's seat. Uh, how many other jurisdictions do what British Columbia does? Uh, most. It's, uh, it's, that's, that's the majority across Canada, uh, where we have... Um, Landlords have the ability to deny pets, mm-hmm. um, renters. Yeah. I mean, if I were to speak to a, a landlord group, they would say first and foremost, look, the wear and tear on a property. Uh, right. We should we have the right to whether or not we want an animal in our home. There could be allergies, whatever it may be. We should have the right uh, with property that we own to decide whether pets uh, should reside in that uh, rental property. There are those, of course, who would agree with disagree with that. Um, is that not a fair argument on the part of of of, uh, of uh, owners? Well, I think I think owners need to sort of expand the the scope of what they're looking at because. I think statistics have shown us that people who have pets and who become tenants stay a lot longer than people who don't have pets. Um, so there's, there's more stability. So that means less turnover. And that can be a very good thing for a landlord who's, who's looking for, you know, to keep their rental property occupied and to have a, a steady rental income. Um, so, so that's important, um, you know, because it takes time and money to find new tenants and reliable tenants. And apparently, I have seen statistics that the uh, BCFPCA has released that there's really apparently not much of a significant difference in, in damage between tenants um, with pets and those without pets. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that's one of the often cited things that 
you know, this this animal is going to destroy everything in sight. And I don't I don't really think that's the case. Mm-hmm. And I know the SPCA in the past have publicly advocated for the changing of rental uh, rules uh, because they get many animals returned to them or left with them because people are, are not able to find uh, accommodations for themselves. Certainly, uh, they aren't able to find accommodations that are, are pet friendly. Uh, what do you say to the yard? Some would say, look, um, the onus actually should be turned upside down. Landlords shouldn't be able to say no pets. Uh, renters should, uh, all rent rental properties should include uh, uh, pets and it should be flipped, and the default position should be that the, the landlord has to justify why a pet can't uh, reside in that property. Right, that's that's one argument I've seen. I, I think there's actually some... At first, I'd just like to agree with you um, what you said about um, the number one reason for pet abandonment and surrender is because people cannot find uh, a pet-friendly rental. So that that's absolutely true. Um, but there's, I think there's some potential solutions on the horizon. Um, for example, in England, uh, they've taken steps to address the issue, and people living in rented homes can be allowed to keep what's called, quote-unquote, well-behaved pets. And these new measures um, were announced by their government in January 2021, mm-hmm. and it basically says, you know, it's like a model tenancy agreement. Um, and you know, it sort of says, you know, my dog can do these things or my cat can do these things and, you know, is um, is going to be on side with with being kind of a, a good canine or feline citizen. And so you see that there are ways of maybe coming to a middle ground um, so that we don't have, uh, you know, shelters right now are bursting at the scenes with people who have uh, returned animals and, and some of them can't afford food. Uh, so fortunately, we do have some pet food banks, but, you know, that's, that's not enough to fill the, the hunger needs. Um, so how do you, how do you define good behavior? I mean, I, I, I can actually, it seems like you're opening up a can of worms and someone says, well, my dog is good, is, is a good dog. And, and that of course depends on, on what the landlord may say or the tenant may say. I mean, you could have a great dog, but the dog likes barking a lot in the evenings when somebody may be a sh- the landlord might be a shift worker and needs to be sleeping. So doesn't that open up a, can- a different can of worms when you start debating what is a good animal? Well, I think that there's a very easy way around it, and I was suggesting that it would come from the from the, the the prospective tenant themselves, but also maybe a letter from the veterinarian saying, you know, this person this person is very responsible. They're up to date on their vaccines and all their other health requirements, and this dog has been generally well behaved, um, is not a fearful dog, and and can actually kind of give a bit of an outline as to the dog's personality and behavioral problems, mm-hmm. if there are any, and what's being done to curb them. If, if they exist. So I think not just relying on what the tenant says, maybe if they have that extra letter, kind of like a reference letter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, you and I, as we were talking about pets, generally what that would mean is a dog or, or a cat, as you said in, in, in your uh, definition there. But once you allow this to happen, does that not open the door for a small minority of people to say, you know what, I like snakes or I like rabbits or whatever it may be. Um, does that not o- open up another can of worms in regards to what you define as a pet? Well, yeah, I'd say I'd say definitely. I would call I would call rabbits uh, an acceptable pet as well. They're the third most popular pet, as a matter of fact. Now, snakes and other exotic animals—that definitely is a can of worms um, <laughs> because it is it is absolute cruelty to have exotic pets like that in 
any kind of um, captivity. And unfortunately, it's, a, it's an enormous problem, particularly in Ontario. They have, a, they, have, they have a terrible time with it because the laws there are not structured to very clearly advise um, people what they can and can't have. They actually have big cats, i.e. lions and tigers, in people's basements in Ontario. That is not, not, actually not a joke. Wow. So, so, so that's the, the captive animal issue, um, particularly for exotics, is, is live and well. And, and, and exotics should never be pets. I say they don't, uh, there's no such thing as an exotic pet. A snake is not a pet. Is there any, any jurisdiction that does this well, that, where you're able to have a pet in a rental property and it seems to work for landlords and for tenants? Well, Ontario's sort of been having this, the, this law in place for some time now. And it seems to work somewhat, I will say. Um, I think that it's, it's kind of been held up as, as a model for other places in Canada to look to because they've been doing this for some years. Um, you know, and I think, I think, like I said before, examining some of the benefits of having pet-friendly housing and, and seeing that, you know, for example, it might provide a little bit of extra security on the property. Um, and, and the general idea, in my view, as an animal lawyer, is that having a companion animal is, is an asset to the people and the people around, um, you know, just because it creates, it creates a lot of comfort and happiness. And I think, you know, we're, we're talking about mental health outcomes and, and people do better who have pets mm-hmm. than who don't.